All right. So today, I want to talk about the foundational faith of the skeptic. And there's two verses that I want to look at together. First one is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You may not know the reference, but you know the verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's a pretty foundational exhortation right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. For the Christian, what is the foundational bottom level of our epistemology? Epistemology is a fancy sounding word and all that means is how you know what you know. So we all think about stuff. We all reach conclusions about stuff. Epistemology is, here's how I got there. Here's why I believe that. Here's why I understand things the way I do. Here's why I came to that conclusion. So everyone has an epistemology. It's basically the eyes of your brain. It's how you know what you know. So the question we all have to ask is, what is the ground floor of our epistemology? Scripture tells us right here that the ground floor should not be our brains. It should not be me, in other words. If you dig all the way down through the thought processes of Gabe to the very bottom, and at the very bottom it is, I decided, I figured it out with my own understanding. Scripture is telling us that's a problem. That's not how it's supposed to be. You are leaning on your own understanding. The Christian epistemology starts with God. The foundational level is God. God has said. God has spoken. He's given his word. That is the foundation for my life. My understanding is secondary. It's it's the next level up. It's not the first floor. It's the second floor. The first floor is God's word. And if I don't always understand God's word, then guess who wins? God's word wins. My understanding is the problem. Not God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's the foundational faith of the Christian. The foundational faith of the skeptic is his own understanding. That is the foundational faith of the atheist, the skeptic, the person who just pokes and questions and prods and is never satisfied because his bottom floor is his own understanding. And if it doesn't measure up to his understanding, then he won't accept it. Well, what's the problem with that? Our understanding is fallen. Our understanding is broken. So is your understanding going to figure out the truth of God's world? No. No, your understanding is dead and it's trespasses and sins, apart from Christ. You're looking at a broken compass. You're following an upside-down map. Your GPS is miscalibrated. The bottom floor of your epistemology is crumbling and the house will follow. Okay, so 
That is the foundational faith of the skeptic, and we see that. So in contrariety, we have the Christian faith, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. And the skeptic's faith we see in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and you could read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to pick verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Let's do 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So they said, no, my foundation is not going to be God. It's not going to be his word. My foundation is going to be me. I can figure it out. I'm that great. I'm that smart. And if it doesn't measure up to me, then I won't accept it. So there's our, two, there's our two faiths. You have the Christian faith, and you have the skeptic, the atheist faith. And they will tell you, I, I don't have faith. I, I don't, you have faith. You're a religious person. You have faith. I don't have faith. I just have evidence. That's a lie. Evidence is, is stuff. It's just stuff. Evidence is not a conclusion. Evidence is stuff that's out there. And you look at that evidence, and you draw a conclusion, and you're not going to draw a conclusion without an epistemology. When you have an epistemology, you look at the evidence and you say, ah, look at this. This is evidence. And because of my epistemology, because I know what I know, the way I know it, I'm going to take this evidence and plug it in over here. Here's how it fits with my foundational commitment, my foundational faith. So the atheist has just as much faith, but the object of his faith is woefully insufficient. So I want to give you one that I came across on Facebook. It is a picture of a human fingertip and a monkey fingertip. A chimpanzee, I don't know what, what flavor of monkey it was. But it's just a picture of the two fingertips. And it's a quote from, I think it was David Attenborough. I believe he's the guy that narrates BBC's Planet Earth. And so, of course, he has a glorious English accent and he sounds amazing. And so he must be right. Obviously. And he says that the, the human finger and the, the monkey finger are, they're basically identical. Not, we're not just descended from primates. We are primates. We're the product of nature and nature is wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Some responses should readily come into our minds. There's a lot of different ways you could take this. You could go with the... the if you're going to argue for evolution because of similarities, then you can also argue against evolution because of the differences, which are extreme. Uh, when was the last time you heard a cicada and fugue composed by a monkey or a skyscraper built by a monkey? It's kind of a silly argument. But also, we would expect to see commonality in design if everything was made by one designer. So this is, no, this is evidence that you are taking because of your foundational faith, because of your epistemology, as a skeptic, as an atheist, you see this piece of evidence, and look, it plugs in right here. It fits perfectly what I already know, what I already believe, that we evolved from the monkeys. And the Christian looks at that and says, okay, 
Um, I have two legs and a kangaroo has two legs. It doesn't mean I'm a kangaroo. That doesn't make any sense at all. There are cars on the street with four tires. Some of them are pickup trucks and some of them are sports cars and they're not the same car. This doesn't prove evolution. This just proves, in fact, it reinforces creation. It reinforces that the same intelligence created humans and monkeys and all these other animals because he knew a plan, a pattern, a blueprint that would work really well. And so he used it. That's not an argument for evolution. And so we take that fact, that evidence, and we plug it into our epistemology and it fits. But we're both looking at the same evidence, okay? So, lean not on your own understanding. That means that we trust God's word over our mind. If I don't get something, if I am um, stuck on something, if I I don't understand something, then I'm going to go with what I know from his word and recognize that I'm not going to understand everything. I'm finite. I'm immortal. So we have to be comfortable saying, I don't understand The interesting thing is the skeptics use this to pigeonhole Christians. They use this to say, you guys just have blind faith. And then you ask them about all these sorts of questions that science can't answer. And they'll say, that's the wonderful mystery of science. We get to explore and learn more and understand. But you just said I had blind faith because I was okay with not understanding things. That's, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander there, buddy. So, yeah, there are things that we don't understand. There are things that they don't understand. The question is... Or the issue is they put their faith in their understanding. I don't put my faith in my understanding. I put my faith in God's word. And when I hit something I don't understand, I say, I don't get it because I'm immortal. I'm not surprised. But I know God understands. So I'm going with what I know because I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. They run into something they don't understand and they either force fit it into their, their epistemology or they say something fancy in an English accent that makes them feel good about not understanding it. But they don't have a real answer for it. We do. So we have to be okay with saying, you know what, that's just something I don't understand. Now that is different, that is different than blind faith. You'll hear people who were raised up by parents who, they would ask their parents questions and their parents would say, oh, it's just, just, just have faith, just have faith, just have faith, just have faith, and never answer their questions. That's irresponsible. That's not Christianity. We have a reasonable faith. God has left us a plethora of evidence. We're supposed to be ready to give an answer to those who would ask us about the hope that is in us. So we're not talking about just kind of burying our head in the sand and ignoring any questions. No, God has given us answers. But we are talking about starting not with, okay, once I get all my questions answered, then I will trust God. No, I trust God. I trust his word. And when questions come up, I'll I'll look for an answer. And you know what? Sometimes a question may come up and I, I don't have a good answer. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I trust the Lord. And in his time, he'll show it to me. Or, or not. But that's okay. Because I trust in the Lord and not in my own understanding. Very different than the, the just don't ask questions. Just don't ask questions. Just shut your eyes and don't ask questions. Okay? That's an important distinction. We have to at once acknowledge that it's faith. Without saying it's faith and therefore there is no reason for it. It's a very reasonable faith. But we have to be okay with humbling ourselves and just being held in the arms of God. To acknowledge that I I am needy. When I sing I need thee every hour, it's because I need him every hour. Like, really. The the problem comes in when our own pride makes us exalt ourselves to where God is kind of optional. And we'll examine him and then if, if, 
if he measures up, then we'll believe in him. That's not the Christian view of God. It's not the true view of God. And what does Jesus say about having the faith of a child? Well, kids are not ivory tower philosophers. They're children. And that's how we're called to be towards the Lord. So it is our pride. Our pride makes us think, well, I'm smarter than this. I shouldn't have to really have faith. I should just be able to sort it all out and answer all my questions. And then I will have fit it all into my head. And I will understand and it'll be good. I'll finally have a good foundation. That's not the foundation that God tells us to build. So on the other hand, we have the skeptic in his faith. And what happens to the proud according to scripture? God is, I'm, I'm actually waiting for an answer on this one. God is opposed to the proud. He's your enemy if you're exalting yourself in pride. God will crush you. You should be scared, in other words. Scripture says this repeatedly. It's a clear, clear pattern in God's word. So when scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that actually means, you know what? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You've got to understand something here. God is real and you can come to him and submit to him or he will break you beyond repair. And when we understand that, then we come to God for mercy. We submit to his word. And now we have an actual foundation that we can build wisdom upon. And then we come to God. We're covered by the blood of his son. And now we have a loving relationship with God. And now it's not a relationship of fear and trembling. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, when God crushes the proud, what does that look like? It looks like people who say, I only believe in things that I can see with evidence. And also boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And the baby in the womb is not a human. Okay, give me your evidence for that. Don't, don't tell me that you follow the science but also boys can be girls and girls can be boys. But also the baby in the womb is not a human life. You didn't get that from science. You got that from your religion, your faith, your demonic rejection of the authority of God. Because the alternative to God is either the God of self or the worship of the devil. And usually those just kind of go together. So... We see God doing the Romans one thing. He turns them over to their blindness because he's humbling the proud. They profess to be wise. And so they exalt themselves to this place of wisdom where now they're going to be on TV for an hour long special explaining why just the most ridiculous claims fill in the blank. These days, it's hard to make up something crazier than what's actually happening. Explaining why it's okay to permanently sterilize a 12 year old child because they're confused about their gender. Okay, that's what it looks like to profess to be wise and become a fool because God has turned you over to your lusts and now you're lost. You're just a ship off in a sea with no moorings. And it's heartbreaking for us as Christians. It's angering on the one hand and there is a righteous indignation, but on the other hand, we need to realize that these people need Christ. They need saved. They need delivered from their lostness. I heard a pastor, quote unquote, term used loosely, saying, In his sermon, he was talking about how drag, like drag performances, he says, drag is holy. And his scripture reference for that is because Jesus said that he was like a mother hen. Boom! Proven. 
And that is how a lost mind reasons. That is how, when you've been turned over by God to your lusts, you will turn, twist the word of God, some of them. Uh, it, you know what? Just be honest. Forget the act of being a Christian and just go serve your lusts. It's all the more terrible when you're pretending to be leading people in the way of God and twisting the word of God. That is a depraved mind. And just remember this, because we're talking about epistemology and we're talking about faith, there is never enough evidence to convince a skeptic. There will never be enough evidence to convince a skeptic. I argue with atheists on Facebook and they want evidence for God. There's no evidence for God. If God were real, he would do this and he would do this and he would do this. Which, what is that argument? That argument is basically God isn't real because he doesn't do things the way I would. Well, I'm sorry, he doesn't care to consult you. That doesn't mean he's not real. That just means you aren't God. It just means he doesn't answer to you. But there will never be enough evidence for that person. That human beings could literally be born with a pattern of melanin on the nape of their neck that says, God made me. And the atheist would say, what an interesting design that nature has come up with over millions of years. And they would. There is no, there's no, I've, I've asked them, what kind of evidence would it take? And it's like, there would have to be some sort of supernatural apparition where I would, where he would speak to me and then I would have to know that it wasn't a hoax and, okay, so write out your list of demands and mail it to heaven. That's not how it works. God is not required to kowtow to your begging. The heavens declare the glory of God. He has given ample evidence. So what is the issue then? If evidence isn't the issue, the issue is faith. And what is the issue with faith? Why do I have faith and he doesn't? Because it is a gift of God. So the foundational faith that we get is a gift from our Heavenly Father. And that's a gift we have to pray for, for our atheist brothers and sisters. And those who adhere to other religions. Now, does that mean then that evangelism is a lost cause? You mean, we'll just give that up and just pray for people. No. Why? Because God ordains the ends and God ordains the means. And maybe your debate with that atheist will be the thing that God uses to unlock his heart, to create faith, to resurrect his soul from the grave. Because God uses means. So we obey faithfully and we pray for God to to bring about new life. We cry out to the dry bones. God told the prophet to cry out to the dry bones. Actually, no, God told the prophet to ask him questions. I don't remember the exact phraseology of that that analogy. But the point is, God's the one that brings the life. We have a responsibility in that. So God tells us to do our responsibility. And then we trust and we pray and we hope for him to bring the life. That also removes our opportunity to have pride. Because if I have faith, it's because God chose to give me faith. Not because I whooped me up some good faith. But because God in his grace has given it. Okay? So, We're called to trust God. That's our foundation. That's foundational to our life. We don't figure it out and then have faith. We trust the Lord and then we figure it out. You see that distinction? See, it's not blind faith because you are figuring it out. You are asking the questions, but it is faith first. Everybody has faith first. We just recognize and admit that we have faith first. Don't let the atheist badger you over the head with that. He has faith too. 
He just has faith in his own mind. So imagine this, okay? Faith is not optional. You will either, well, don't imagine that, that's true. Faith is not optional. You will either trust God and ask your questions from the foundation of trust in God, or you will trust yourself and ask your questions from a foundation of trust in self. So what is Proverbs 3? Proverbs 3 is God warning us. He's saying, don't trust in your own understanding. It'll mess you up. Trust in, in me, in my word. It's a warning. We have an altogether too high opinion of ourselves. We think that we are adults. We're not adults. We're babies. We're infants. When we look at children, we look at little children who think that they've got the whole world figured out. They're, you know, five years old and just they can tell everybody how it is because they, they know. And we kind of chuckle to ourselves. Give yourself another 20 years and you'll realize that you don't know anything. You didn't, then you still don't know it. But then we grow up and we think that we have it all figured out and God chuckles to himself. Psalm 2. We're, we're still the five-year-old walking around thinking, oh, I've got, I've got it all figured out. Now I know how the world works. <laughs> no. No. Not really. If a child is going to grow up to have understanding and wisdom, what do they have to do? They have to trust their parents. And if we are going to grow up in understanding and wisdom, what do we have to do? We have to trust our father because he knows everything. He understands everything and we don't. And if we put our trust in ourselves, then Richard Dawkins at 60 years old is the five-year-old walking around the room thinking that he knows everything. He thinks that his mind is that great. His understanding is that impeccable and he's figured it all out. No, no, you haven't. You're just a five-year-old who's high on your own opinions. And you need to humble yourself, have the faith of a child, come before God, cry out to him for mercy, for forgiveness, fear him, tremble before his word, and then you'll start to see some stuff. And then then you'll truly have complete wisdom when you die. You'll die. You'll go to be in the presence of the Father, and you'll be able to ask questions from the one daddy in the world who actually does know the answer to all the questions. So... Calls to implicit trust should be suspicious from other created beings. We have this, this inherent idea of if somebody tells me, oh, just, just trust, don't ask any questions, just trust me. Makes us say, well, that seems a little fishy. Well, it should. Why? Well, because they're immortal too. But when it comes from your creator, that's a different story. That's not same same. When it comes from the God who made you and who knows why he made you and knows what he made you for and knows where your life is headed and has a plan for your eternity and has given a world that explains it all and a world that reflects his glory. And he says, just trust me. The right response is yes, sir. Yes, my Lord. So in other words, if Proverbs 3, 5 is true, then it's not a play to take advantage of the gullible. If it's true. If it's true, then it's a life and death warning. If it's true, then it's God saying, this is not the way to live your life. Put your faith in you and the result will be death. Trust in me and I will save you. So the skeptic wants to present that as, no, they're just taking advantage of gullible people. Not if it's true. Not if Jesus Christ came back from the dead. Then it's a warning that you should be listening to. You should be trembling about So, we fear God. 
We humble ourselves before him. We take him seriously. We believe in his word, recognizing that apart from his word, the world makes no sense. You can see this. You will know them by their fruits. Watch them. They reject God. And then what happens? They literally don't know what male and female means anymore. That's lost. That's, that's way lost. Don't follow those people. They are the blind leading the blind and they will fall into a pit. If they can't get something that basic, then don't, don't give them the time of day other than reaching out to them. So we take God seriously. We take his word by faith as the foundation of our lives. And then once we've started with the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, we come near to him. We hear his word. We come by faith to Christ. We're covered by his blood. We see his love for us. Our love for him grows. And we grow in our relationship with Jesus. And then as questions come up, we answer them. We want to be ready to give an answer for those who ask. But we don't ask them like the skeptic does. The skeptic demands answers to satisfy my ultimate standard, my ultimate authority, me. And we say, no, no, no. God is on the throne. I don't have to understand it all. But I'm sure there's a good answer to that question. I'm going to look into that. Because I want to be ready to give an answer. But at the end of it all, if I can't answer that one, my trust is in Christ. And he will work it out in his good time.